Welcome to TA1, everything you want to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson. I have uh, two my two co-hosts, Jimmy Lee and Stevie are with me. The uh, Chili Dog, a.k.a. 31, is outside enjoying the evening. We had a nice hike earlier today at, near Mount Rushmore. So it's kind of fun. We're going to do some flying. Yeah, it's a little too windy, so we'll put it off maybe till tomorrow. Um, not much has happened in this week. Uh, Paulette has finished the Trans-Pyrenees. Um, even though she withdrew early, just uh, because of the way the kind of the race went, she finished the whole course and apparently is going to be considered a official finisher. She got a t-shirt anyway, so makes it official, right? Um, about it. Rally week coming up here in the Black Hills. Uh, hope to maybe get up uh, one day. We'll have to see if uh, can get rid of uh, 31 for a while. Um, if you haven't seen, I legally started legal proceedings to change the Chili Dog's name to 31 because she's with me 24-7. Um, I won't say she doesn't want to be out of my sight because she's outside enjoying herself. But uh, Monday and Tuesday we started a new job. It's a really nice place to be outside, some nice grass, cool breeze. But Monday and Tuesday she spent all day laying there looking towards the house. By Wednesday she was sleeping, so she was fine. Um, so, well, hell, let's get on with it. Uh, Mark Harris, Rev3 race director this week in our series of Cowboy Tough. Got at least a couple more coming up. Um, did a couple interviews with two, two separate but really um, unusual, unique, cool women this week. So they'll be coming up in the next few weeks. That's it. Go fast, take chances, and uh, have fun. Thanks hey Randy, for listening. how are you? Bye. I'm doing well. How about yourself? Pretty good. Good. Well, I guess we won't say anything, but I guess we know what song will be at the end of the podcast, huh? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Very appropriate. Yes. Um, <laughs> so are you recovered? Um, uh, not really. Because I actually just got home on um, Tuesday because we stayed out in Wyoming after the Cowboy Turf for an, at least another week. And mm. then it takes a couple of days to get home. And I went straight to the beach actually with my family. So I, I, I swung by my house for about an hour, packed up, went down to North Carolina. And then we came back on Monday afternoon. So I've come back to like grass that's 12 feet high and I'm trying to cut it and my mower's broken and there's trash everywhere and all kinds of other stuff. So I'm, I'm kind of in a recovery mode because I had a little bit of a vacation after yeah. everything. But um, yeah, sort of, sort of getting rested. We've got a couple of, we've got a week before we've got another race um, and then we kind of head into uh, September and then I think... After the first weekend in September, we we've got to race every weekend through November. So, and then we then we get a real break. Yeah. Well, except you won't, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Actually, then uh, then I'm off off to Australia for two weeks. So, um, Margot and I are actually looking at that right now to try and figure out our plans for Worlds. And then you're right. We come back, and then it's really working to figure out what's going on in 2017 for all the races um, that we do. Yeah, it uh, it's gonna be here before we know it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, give give yourself no, not yourself. Give the race a grade, the 2016 race. How do you think it went? Um, uh, you know, I'm always hard on myself, and I always think I can do stuff better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll give I'll give our participants 10 out of 10 always. Yeah. Um. I'll give it, uh, and I'll give my volunteers and race support and everyone else. I'll give them ten out of ten too. Um, but overall, I think uh, you know it's pretty good. I think eight out of ten. 
uh, from my standpoint, I think there's always room for improvement and we always look for, for feedback and we get it from our participants and landowners and jurisdictions about what we can do better. And so um, we always incorporate that year after year. And it's, it's um, you know, I, I, I felt it was it's probably the best year so far as mm-hmm. far as, um, definitely as far as the competition goes and, you know, the caliber of teams we had out there racing. Uh, that was that was uh, you know a very good yeah. vibe, and um, you know I think as far as kind of the epicness and some of some of the things we put the teams through, um, they certainly got their fair share of adventure as well. And um, you know it's it's always interesting because right now a lot of this stuff comes out after the race. It's great. We we try and read all the race reports. We try and catch up on all the media that's gone out. We get we get to look at back at people's Facebook posts, we look at your guys' pitches and media, which was fantastic, it was, that was great stuff that you guys put out this year, and, um, you know, I was thinking today, the, the, the real thing that makes an adventure for people is, is not necessarily is, I mean, we're, we're kind of there, we give people a blank canvas, but it's the interaction that they have with the environment, with themselves, with their teammates, and the other teams on the course, and that's, that's really, I think, that that makes it a true adventure for people. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Absolutely. And, and uh, I don't know what it says, but I certainly didn't hear any bitching other than maybe against the wind. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I warn people about that every year. Yep. And they've had, all our teams have really had a um, free pass up until... You know, this past year we had a little bit of a dodgy section on year one on Seminole with the wind, and that was always, you know, that's always been a, a reminder of how vicious it can be. But as far as the biking this year, you know, I think teams got a, a real taste of how nasty, nasty the wind can be. And it just, Wyoming wind, it, it always generally flows from west to east. And just after that day, day one, um, they were all heading back straight into the wind, all yeah. the way, all the way home. So, you know, if, if there was any wind, and there was wind, um, they were riding straight into it, and it, it really makes it challenging. You know, it can it can change your speed from, you know, trucking along at 18, 20 miles an hour, like they were doing, rolling out of Casper on day one with the wind behind them. They probably didn't even realize that they had the wind behind them right there. Um, to crawling along at three and four miles an hour with all your energy being completely sapped out of you. So it, it really changes the dynamic of the race. And different times of the day, people are going to experience the course in a different way purely because of the wind. Yeah. One one will say, oh, that was the easiest part of the race, and the next team will be like, you're nuts. We took us 15 hours. Yeah, exactly. And I think my impression is that it was this was – like the hottest year ever it just seemed like it was hot the whole time is it i mean you know sometimes i have a little skewed you know uh view of it yeah it was no yeah it was it was definitely day one was hot um they did kind of have the river river to cool them off but that you know the evenings were chilly on that on that last evening we had teams coming in and it it was down down in the 40s it was kind of real true true high desert kind of kind of weather where the days were up there in the 90s and we had that massive swing and in the evenings they were down in the 40s and everyone was shivering and curled up in their blankets and you know wishing they bought more clothes so i mean we did we did have some weather extremes in the temperature as well which adds to it which really adds to the challenge how do you feel that the uh we'll say traditional format worked without a end of day yeah, you know, it it was good. Um, it, we were trying it for the first time, and, you know, it's really setting up for next year in ARWS, and Craig really wants it to be a point-to-point race. And, you know, I was very, very reluctant to go down down that way originally because we, lo- we do like having the teams together, and we like making the course so its mandatories are kind of clearable and doable for you know, middle and the back of the pack guys. So, I mean, we still had that element of optional optional points in there. Um, I think our team did a great job as far as the logistics and moving bikes and boxes down the course. We, we planned that pretty carefully, and we, we try and plan the course so it's going to work 
um, as smoothly as possible. Mm -hmm. So that that all works well. Um, I mean, we have we we basically have kind of set the course, or we kind of know what the course is going to be for next year, and um, you know the logistics are going to be interesting for that. But I think it's going to be really really hard for some of those middle and the back of the pack teams to to make some of some of our cutoffs. Our cutoffs are going to be very generous. We're not going to have a cutoff really until until day two, and then there will be really a short course option, um, and that's really going to how we're going to handle that. Um, but I do like uh, I do like our format of um, just these optionals and mandatories, and it, some people have got used to it, and then there's mm. a, a whole other group of people, mainly the international crowd, who are who who kind of don't understand it or can't get their heads around it, but I think they like it when they come and they come and try and do it. And I was, you know, I was, I was talking to Craig about it, and he was he was just saying that the U.S. is really one of the only countries that really does that kind of format. And I was, you know, I was thinking about it, and a lot of the races that we put on, and a lot of the races that we go to, it's generally generally running that format. And I think I think it it just makes it a lot more accessible to people and makes the course a little bit more. Um, achievable. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, and it really adds a whole nother dimension to the planning. Um, I think that's the Swedish Armed Forces team really learned that last year and 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 understood it this year. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And you know, generally we, we'll see that the, the top teams, they're usually in the front and they win. They cross that finish line first. So mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's always concern that you're going to have it, and there's going to be a team, and people, you know, the guy who doesn't cross the line first is not the winner, and those types of things. But generally, in all our races that we see that are kind of 24 hours plus in that format, we generally see the guys, you know, crossing the finish line first. The ones who've, who've definitely the ones who've cleared it are the ones who who've won. Yeah, well, and and really, almost this year. Um, except for like maybe Whiskey Ben finished Saturday night, but teams kind of finished in in order that yeah they crossed the yeah, finish they, line in the order that they finished. Yeah, 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 so, they did. Which, well, I think that's kind of a testament to your uh, design and philosophy. Yeah, I mean, I, I was really happy with the timing this year. You know, we we sit down and we look at the stuff and we really run through the numbers and we look at the distances and the terrains and we, we build out spreadsheets and we go in pre-run sections and we really see how you know how long we think it's going to take we have generally have a pretty good idea about how long people take to do stuff mm -hmm. and i think we you know we we actually kind of nailed um a and k's time almost exactly to to what they what i thought the lead time was going to be to finish mm -hmm. and then um because I had I had real concerns that people were going to get to that climbing section. I knew some of the top teams would would get there, and I think I think actually some of the, the wind really helped us out, slowed it down a little bit. Yeah. And I think the track on um, the track from CP6 to CP7 actually took people, even the lead teams, a little bit longer than I I I had thought it would. Um, so they they kind of lost an hour on what I thought would be the case, but. Those guys going up Laramie Peak was, you know, they were. I put a time down in my estimates. I'm like, no one's going to do that. And then, of course, you know, they all do it. Yeah. Um, who who had the fastest time? I don't remember up Laramie Peak. Uh, it was AMK. Okay. And they actually just beat out. Um, you know, they beat out um, North Face by six minutes. Mm. So, but yeah. uh, they were at North Face was an interesting team. I didn't know any of those people. They did. Um, they beat my expectations. Yeah, I mean, I knew um, we we kind of talked to uh, team leader a little bit and traded emails. And we usually do with the top teams before they come, and they generally have some questions and stuff. But so I knew I knew talking with them that they were they were going to be up there they were going to be contenders um you know they were asking the right things you can tell by the equipment that they were bringing and what mm. they've done in the past the they're, they're going to be a contender yeah well it's interesting to have some new new blood in the mix right yeah yeah it was good yeah 
Does it um, really help you, like setting next year's course, to have had, you know, the AMKs and Tech News and the Swedes, you know, basically world-class teams, so that you can um, fine-tune your estimates for next year? Yeah, and we do that. We actually did that last year. And actually, you know what? Carl Peter sent me a – he sent me his um, – breakdown from the year before which was actually kind of helpful he had gone through and done all his splits and you know it's actually early early on when we kind of like we we kind of piece the course together and we don't really know what it's going to look like and what well, we generally do but we're not 100 percent sure and um he had emailed me and they're like mark i got some real concerns your you know your day two looks too long your day three looks short and he sent me actually a, a nice spreadsheet of his splits from the year before and the stuff like that's helped but we go back we have you know we have our sport identity system so we really can go back and nail between sections and we'll, we'll kind of look at what the, what the terrain was like elevation gain um, and really see how fast these guys are moving and that really gives us a good idea when I go out and I see the terrain I'll kind of say okay my average I know these guys are going to be moving an average of you know X miles an hour and know the distance um, and that's pretty much how, how we do it. And it's, it gets a little bit more fine-tuned because we do know how fast these fast teams go. Yeah. Um, you know, year one and two, it was really new to us. And those guys just, just blew our expectations of how fast people can maintain a pace out, out of the water. And so, you know, as we've gone on year three and year four, we've really kind of learned the type of, the type of pace that these top teams can, can keep over the terrain and at the same time you know how how slow the slow teams can go as well and we we, we know kind of a, we always estimate we're probably going to have 10 percent of the people who we're either going to have to move along the course or they're going to miss a cutoff or something like that and that actually is more of a logistical challenge for us than anything um you know keeping when we can plan and keep ahead of the, the lead teams that's 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 challenging um, but then managing people who drop off the back end is is way more challenging because um, you've got to do something with these people who are in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, well, you've got to find them, move them, figure yeah. it out. Do they have – do any of them, when you're they're that far back and you come up to them and say, we're going to move you, do they, like, know? Do you have to convince them? Or, do, or are they – do they know that they need a little help? Uh, pretty people much are pretty much begging us. <laughs> <laughs> they they look as like we're the savior. <laughs> yeah. Especially um, I don't know we we had this year wasn't too bad. Um, you know we had a little bit of a trouble on the lake with uh, search and rescue coming in yeah. coming in us and helping us out there. Um, we had a few teams get lost after leaving TA seven and just go the wrong way and we had we short coursed I think three or four teams at that point and had to transport them. Um, we had uh, Kilo Fit had a, a medical that one of their teams, you know, fell off and they actually broke their, their hip. Um, yeah. And three guys carried on. Um, so it was kind of kind of all over the place um, at the back. But most 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 people they either know what the cutoffs are and we tried we tried to make that very clear. Um, that people have to reach a certain point, otherwise yeah. we're going to move them. And I think um, in any situation, as long as you give, you know, your your competitors the information up front, um, they're usually pretty pretty cool with it. And we're, you know, we really do, we we try and do a really good job with all our communications, whether it's pre-race and we're sending out your information where to show up and what you need, all the way to post-race and how you find out the information and you know. Um, Margot manages all that, and she does a, a phenomenal job making making sure that people have the, all the information they need. And I think if you do that, um, it makes makes races life a lot easier. Yeah. Well, I mean, the obvious thing with that is that the, at the pre-race briefing is like when you're like, "Are there any questions?" I don't know. There's one or two, but you know, I've been to races where they spend two hours answering questions. So. Yeah, and I I, I I I adopted that format for doing the pre-race brief about four you know four years ago, mm. and it's just I really do just walk through the entire course at, at a pretty high level. Mm -hmm. um, I want to make sure everyone's read everything, and people find mistakes, and it's great. Um, 
you know, it's it's really hard to plan something out like that and make sure you have absolutely everything accurate. Um, and so once you have basically, you know, 114 people all of a sudden start looking at something you've been working on for a year, um, you, you find that you have made mistakes or something doesn't make sense. And so, um, you know, we welcome that. We want people to bring that up so that's because we know it's going to cause confusion otherwise. So, you know, that's why we like to give it a... Um, everyone enough time to review all the materials and then do it and, you know we've we've all we've considered in the past doing and lots of races do it where you know the race starts and then you hand out all the maps and the information and those types of things and that's great but i think um i think you're opening yourself up for issues you know and not giving the information or not having all the answers that are required for uh for the races to, to complete it and I think it just causes probably issues later down the line um, mm. and if you if you're able to stand by what you what you have and able to resolve any of those conflicts later that's fine but um, you know I'm not I'm not gutsy enough to do that <laughs> well it, it's a system that works why screw with it yeah exactly it's true yeah. um, was was there one thing that really surprised you this year, either positively or negatively, that you just didn't see coming? Um, I'm trying to think. Think, um, not sure. I mean, I think that, once again, that track, that track, I thought people would not get mm -hmm. so turned around there as much much as they would i i uh, i also thought you know the the boats went well a lot of people came into it just going uh, and maybe they still think that but that they were like there's no way uh, there's no way i can sit in a boat for 80 miles and, yeah. and and get through this and it be even doable and um you know i've read some race reports and there's some griping about the canoeing and some later sections but i think we added enough kind of variance in there yeah. to to mix it up and it's it's kind of funny we we looked at it and we were really looking at the course on um on sunday and monday and we'd run our numbers again and we were looking at it and we'd actually had we'd permitted for it was an o course that started right before um uh the reservoir glendo and uh greg and i'd been out there the week before and we kind of flagged it and we looked at it and we we're like I, I just I just didn't feel good about it, and so mm -hmm. we actually took it out completely. And then, the, literally, we decided to put it back in. And then, so Greg and Mike went back down there on the Tuesday, which is you know the day before, and they yeah. actually went and reset it. And we generated some new maps for it and did it. And I think that was actually a lot of people really liked that section. And it's kind of weird. I looked at it originally, and I was like, eh, that's not that good. But I think it was it came at the right time that got people out the boats after a really long leg and it yeah. was actually in a pretty it was actually in a pretty cool place and depending on the time of day you got there you were kind of up on these two big towers overlooking this crazy canyon and um, and it was really the first kind of strategic section of the race where um, there, were, there were some real options that you could make about where you were going to get your boat out which points you were going to hit first and those types of things and so people were thinking about that and it engaged them really early on in the race so that was kind of yeah i mean that was i'd taken that out and then we threw that back in at the last minute and then kind of what i've read from people it's like they kind of enjoyed that little section yeah it's funny how those last minute things or things you don't you know you kind of throw away sometimes are the most interesting parts of a race or yeah. life yeah exactly yeah. And, you know we did um you know, we had two big sections that were planned, actually three big sections that were planned to go across private property. And that was kind of a mistake for us early on to to assume that we were going to get that many landowners to um, sign off on what we did, wanted to do. And so, you know, um, we kind of really kind of laid out the course and, and a lot of the permits related to public land early on in well, that happens in October, and then by January we really started exploring the private property routes. And by May, June, it, we knew it wasn't going to happen, and so uh, you know a lot of those sections were taken out. And what that did is put people back on back on the roads. Yeah. And I was really 
bummed about that. I thought that was going to be really, really just be a suck for the race. But as it turned out, it wasn't bad. It actually it kept people moving along the course. If I think if I'd had these other sections in, would have had a um, would have had thirty percent of the teams drop. Um, it would have just been too hard. And um, riding on some of those roads, they were they were really really beautiful. And then there's some stuff like you know on day three there were some sections where people came through and there was a huge thunderstorm and it was beautiful it was this cra- uh, just a crazy storm it was like this strip of black in the sky and it had you know lightning was was grounding out but it had this lightning that was circling back in back into the cloud and so once again it's just like it's what's happening in the environment that kind of makes makes it cool and i can't plan that um, no <laughs> by by any means i'm just hoping that it's not something that's going to really injure or kill someone that comes along <laughs> whether it's you know wildlife or nature in some some format but that's the thing that's things that add the element and so whether i you know then there are people riding on a road there was still an adventure to be had and it was it was beautiful scenery out there yeah i mean it's uh you know maybe once in a while somebody it gets a little long you know going 20 miles down the gravel road but yeah uh, you know you can make up it was it was remote i think uh yeah i mean i was i was surprised because when I first went and scouted the course, this I, I felt, oh, this area is just kind of like, you know, it's between Medicine Bow and I eighty, you know, I twenty five, and it's just, it doesn't seem that interesting. And you got up in there, and you just, it, it's so remote. It's I yeah. felt when I was out there, um, you know, setting the course and scoping it, it, it's probably felt the most remote out of any of the courses that we've we've done. I mean, it's it's was three four hours in a car really to get back to anywhere with any kind of civilization and i think in other other all the other points that we've ever done you know at least you see a ranch or something i mean there was just nothing up there yeah well and and i i that's what i felt and and i think my first you know at first glance of the course was like yeah this is adventure race there's just there's stuff around here um and that was definitely not right. Right. Um, okay, I have one piece of criticism. Good. The, uh, the, the whiskey was too late in the race. Oh, you it, think? Well, well Randy, you know, that's, like, only cause you, that's only because you just want to hang out in the bar and see all the teams. Well, yeah, and, it, and it's fun to see everybody do it. Yeah. Know, and it, it by... You know, what well, is only like three or four hours in, but they were already still so spread out that you can. Yeah, you know, you know we looked it. at it. It was it was actually a really good chance. This year was a really good chance for us to do some more stuff in Casper because mm-hmm. we've never, you know, we 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 start and finish the race and we, we usually finish the race in Casper. And this year we started it in there, and it was kind of this this loop. And it was a really good opportunity, maybe, for us to do something with the town you know we we kind of looked at maybe we should go and do this stuff in the wonder bar or something like that but we you know we wanted to as it turned out i think the way we started the race i really liked that mm-hmm. um, originally we kind of thought let's go and do kind of like an urban o course like we've done like in buffalo or south pass or some of these other things yeah um and we did look at that option and then that's where the whiskey would have would have come in yeah but um we kind of opted for, for plan b instead with the bikes coming in. but uh next year it'll be um it will be early in the race next year okay that's well i mean if okay i'm not the most critical person in the world but that was pretty much my only <laughs> hey i want to want to keep want to keep you happy <laughs> so um i think i want to give everybody chris and and Kiori, you know, I, I heard a lot of people say a lot of good things about our media this year. So, um, yeah, definitely. And, and, and then was, you go and look at all the profile pictures that are Chris's pictures from the end of the race that you give oh, you a clue yeah. there. But, yeah, uh, you, you guys did a phenomenal, phenomenal job because you're like, you actually told this, really told the story as the event was going on. So we have different ways to do it. You can do hmm. dot watching. Um, and then we had we had some canned stuff that we put out, and we try and put it, you know, some the course maps out and as much information as possible out. But you guys really told the story as it unfolded. It was great, and we had a great blend of you doing your videos, 
your pre-race interviews, your videos from the course. Kiori's and Chris's pitches were great. So, um, you know, Margo unfortunately couldn't do as much on Facebook this year because um, we had some personal stuff going on. But, you know, you guys filled filled that role. So I'm, I'm confident as we go back next year, um, and hopefully we can kind of have the same team, and we have Margo on the back end doing the stuff as well, it'll just be, uh, let's say, mind-blowing. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm looking forward to it. So, when everybody, all the, Andreas and, and all those people come in, it's like, we know, me and Chris and Kiori, we know what's going on. It'll be nice not to be the ones wondering what's going on and not speaking the language. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, totally. Oh. Oh yeah, and uh, I forgot I had one more criticism. We got to make sure next year they got to do their interviews before they get their maps. Before they get their maps? Yep, I think they need to do all their checkoffs and then they get their maps because. Um, were they of, were they were they sidetracked? They weren't. They yeah. Weren't focused. Okay. We can I mean, there were like ten teams that I didn't get to talk to, so. Yeah, we'll make that. Which happen. I mean, I think th that's that's to their detriment i think oh yeah so but um you know racers and maps once it hat once they get them i understand <laughs> that the uh yeah pearl azumi outside i think it was mikhail and sue came over and they said well we're all you get because we got maps and <laughs> so, <laughs> which was right. which is fine um did what did what did craig think um, I think he liked it. It was good. We actually got to hang out with him for a couple of days at the race. After the race, he came with us on kind of our first part of our scouting trip for next year. Mm. And I think he liked it. I think, um, you know, for the World Championships, it needs to be a, a, a little bit of a bigger production for the opening and closing ceremonies and stuff like that. And that's yeah. one of the reasons why we kind of, kind of go into Australia to see Especially it's his, as his his race as well. Um, yeah. We'll be able to see exactly what he has in mind. And, you know, we want to do right by him in the World Series. And so we'll we'll do our best to, to do what he wants to do, but, you know, add our own flair and, and kind of do the Rev3 adventure thing as well. Um, I think he, he was, you know, impressed that we got the course timings right and the way we addressed any kind of issues with emergency response and those types of things. So... Um, yeah, we had you know we had good conversations with him, some some feedback. So I think everything's looking good there. Would um, that be the silver linings to the like the search and rescue and in the uh, sinking of kayaks? Is you actually got to see how that how the emergency plan worked? Yeah, we planned that actually. I drilled okay. a hole in that boat beforehand, <laughs> and uh, I just found the most inexperienced team and hoped they would sink. So yeah, it worked out well. No, yeah. uh, you know that is that is actually one of my worst nightmares. So, yeah. you know, that evening we woke up and then you you kind of getting these alerts from our GPS, from our yellow bricks, just like you know I'm in distress. I really really need help, and you kind of you kind of hopeless. Uh, it's it's kind of one of those things that really has to unroll. It seems like it unrolls way 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 too slowly, but. Um, you know, we had we had the right pieces in place, and we had the response that we was was planned, and we had those guys out the water with within an hour. You know, but uh, water always scares me because, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it doesn't take long for something really bad to happen in water. You can even even see with, um, in fact, all all the time that I've kind of ever worked with with outdoor pursuits, um, the really really bad stuff has happened in water. Mm -hmm. And it's just simple stuff, like in, just entrapment and, um, you know, getting caught in strainers and things like that. And you don't need to be in crazy white water. You don't need to be doing things that are completely nutty um, to get trapped inside a canoe and drown within four minutes, you know. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's quick, and it can happen very quickly. So... Um, I was super, super happy that, the, you know, those guys got out. We were lucky... I think the water temperature was you know it was 65 66 so they had they had mild hypothermia as they came out um we treated them for that and you know you know props to our med team 
those guys are phenomenal. And they, you know, the guys from Knowles come out, they volunteer all their time. And um, they know exactly what to do. I feel very comfortable um, letting those guys take take the lead on everything that they do. And that's what they do. Um, mm-hmm. And they do it really well. So, um, yeah, having having something in there that was... You know, a little. We need a little bit of response to to was good, and you know, having a good outcome is is always great as well. Yeah, and I don't want to talk too much about next year because we'll let Mike and I will do that later this year. But yeah, do you um in in talking about the water, are you more happy that you it's just going to be pack rafting next year and no canoes? Uh, well, maybe <laughs> some canoes in there. Okay. So. <laughs> maybe some canoes, Randy. Okay. Yeah, well, we'll, uh, we'll wait and Actually, see. No, I'm pretty, I don't want to give too much away, but I'm pretty excited about um, next year's course because it was, it was Mike and I's goal originally to do, you know, five years of racing out in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. We were going to do... Um, first four years uh you know all the different quadrants which we've which we've kind of done and covered there's still a lot more of you know wyoming that yeah. we, we haven't even touched on um and then you know the fifth year was originally going to be a five-day race it kind of took in all of them and so it's really a six-day race that we're, we're now doing and um we do take uh we visit years one two and four parts of the course so we kind of we've kind of done what we wanted to do we wish we yeah. could yeah Margot's here she's saying the great greatest hits of yeah. our previous races so yeah we've we, we're we're pleased that we can do that um and it actually makes our life a little bit easier because we've kind of pre-run these sections and we know know you know what's involved in in working with them um so and they're all good sections as well so we've uh, and there's lots of there's some new stuff as well. You know, a lot of it yeah. is new, and it's it's going to be great. Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm interested in how you guys, how you one decided, and what was kind of the timeline and how it happened that it became worlds. Uh, so, so we did year one, one and two. Um, and at that point, it was, you know, Untamed and Gold Rush. I mm-hmm. think they were both part of the World Series. Um, and then we'd, we'd kind of reached out to Craig early on, I think, right at the beginning. And he was kind of like, well, you guys haven't really got an expedition race under your belt. And um, you need to have a little bit more experience. And so, you know, we gained that experience. And then at that time, uh, kind of Untamed, um, Grant Killian and his operation kind of, um, went off the scene and so that kind of mm. lost the qualifier in, on, in the US and then Gold Rush um, you know that that that's still there but it's not as uh, consistent I don't think and then the Alaska race is, is also on the US soil and that's only every other year and so I think um, Craig was kind of looking for a company who had experience and maybe had a race that was in place um it's, it seemed a good idea for us just to get a little bit more exposure. Um, and, you know, more than anything for us, it's a it's a feather in our cap. Yeah. Um, I don't think ultimately the re- the way that we kind of grew our race year one and two, I don't think it really has increased our, our numbers per se. I think this year we saw it increase the competition somewhat. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's definitely people and definitely teams coming out trying to get um, slots to get to the championships but that's you know that's 15 20 percent of our teams coming out you know the rest the rest of our teams are all you know the adventure class wanting their personal challenge to come out and uh, you know I don't know if being part of the World Series you know attracts them or not and that's great um, but we, we want to make sure we still cater to that audience that's that's our, our key audience that we want to um, keep coming back and doing our races so yeah i mean it's but let's put it this way there there are racers that aren't going to race it last or next year but they already want to are signed up to volunteer right Mm -hmm. 
So yes, yeah, exactly. So I got some whiskey band. Mm-hmm. I listened to your podcast with those guys, and they're great guys. Um, they're going to come out, and we're going to have them at a TA. And uh, Mike's wife volunteered this year, and she was great. And she was, she's not necessarily an outdoors type person, so um, teamed her up with Emma Gossett, and those guys got on really well. And I yeah. think. It's great because I think, I mean, we had some great volunteers this year. We have a kind of core crew that comes back, and we had some new people this year too, and they were all fantastic. Um, and they really, they kind of do the race inside the race, and they see a lot of stuff that, you know, teams don't see, and they, it's just as hard for them. I mean, they are out right. there. Um, they're getting very little sleep, um, and they still have to be on the ball, making sure teams come through, making sure they're communicating about what's going on. So it's it's not a it's not a cakewalk being a volunteer for, for by any means and we really appreciate anyone coming out to do it. And I think next year my goal is and we're gonna put some information out a little bit later in the year, is I'd love to see, you know, either teams or some clubs kind of adopt a TA and take that role on. I think it's a good opportunity as you know, as we're doing the world championships and we haven't done it as you know in the US before, to to kind of get as many clubs and teams come out and we'll have them sponsor each of the TAs and we'll we'll make sure on all our media that their names are recognized and really kind of show I guess the rest of the world what a tight community we have here. Yeah. And and do that not only through the teams, but um, that are racing, but on the volunteer side too. So, you know, we're probably going to have about ten transition areas. That's my estimate right now. And if I can get like a club or a team to kind of come out and man each of those, um, that would be awesome. Because the the best volunteers are the people are racers or people who who know about races because they they can they can empathise with the racers and. They kind of really know what it's all about. So, well, that'd be kind of cool, yeah. Have the have their own little fiefdom there each yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it it the volunteers are are such a big part of the race, but they're also kind of their own little little family, um, which is really cool. Which is something I think that the only other time I've seen it is with the Primal Quest volunteers. Um, you know, they were as excited when Primal Quest came back as the racers, I think, to yeah. be able to get together. So, um. Yeah, and we try and, you know, it's, it's a t- it is a team, right? It's, it's yeah. kind of one of those weird things where you bring in a group of people who may not know each other very, very well. And you're trying to bring them on and, and make them all work together and have a common goal. And it's not necessarily very easy circumstances. And um, we kind of, we do pre-vet who we, who we have who we have coming not everyone who signs up to be a volunteer necessarily comes and volunteers mm-hmm. um and so we kind of know the background of a lot of the people who, who come and i generally speak to them beforehand or you know do some correspondence through email and so you do you kind of build this this dynamic team in a very short space of time um to do not not such an easy task and so the and these guys they, they bond and they have they build these relationships in this very short amount of time so it's, it is kind of interesting it's, it's this kind of backstory team of, of volunteers that's that's happening throughout the race yeah well they sort of have to be sort of autom- autom- autonomous yeah out there because you know somebody might have a question and yeah are, are you or Mike are going to be around maybe maybe not so yeah. but it's nice to know I would think you know, you get you got this core group of volunteers. I would think they sort of know how you think, which might yeah. inform their answers. And it's nice because we've had um, we've had some the same guys come back year after year mm-hmm. who really who really form our core. And so this year those guys did a lot of the logistic logistical stuff. And then we have some other people who you know have may not may not have volunteered with us before, and we had them basically kind of stationed at the at the TAs. Mm-hmm. And so um, yeah, it kind of worked it kind of worked out well, and that's probably what we'll do next year. We'll have our, our core team of people who, like you say, kind of know where I'm coming from and what I want, and they'll do more of a lot more of the logistical stuff. And they're usually there ahead of time, you know. They're usually rolling into town two or three days before anyone else, and so we yeah. have some time to sit down and 
really review the course and what's going on. Um, and then we'll have other volunteers, like I say, who will just be, hey, you know, here's our resources for a TA. Go out there. This is what I need you to do. Here's my checklist of what needs to be done. And um, let those guys handle that. Yeah, well, it's nice to have those. Um, yeah. All right. Here's here's going to be a surprise question, not. <laughs> what uh, What's your favorite and least favorite six hours of the last four years of Cowboy Tough? Uh, my least favorite was probably this year when those guys sunk mm -hmm. and also probably on Samino when everyone was stuck out so that's yeah. that's actually a no-brainer anytime anyone is in distress on water mm -hmm. that is just the worst um, so my, and my favorite has been lots of good stuff you know this year I really like climbing to Laramie Peak this year that was fun. Actually, I actually rode my bike up there, so that was that was even more fun coming back down. Yeah. Um, and then we really liked, we really liked last year um, Willow Creek Ranch. That was probably one of our favorite places. Um, mm -hmm. We really got to know the people at the ranch, um, the owners there, and uh, they were so welcoming and and warm. Um, and uh you know I, I went out there twice i think before the race and kind of you know they just we, i went and did a cowboy camp with them and all this other stuff so it wasn't necessarily even part of the race but that experience of um experiencing that little bit of wyoming was was pretty cool yeah that was a that was a cool place so how yeah i'm not i can't even believe i'm going to ask this because it's kind of a this is an oprah question <laughs> How's this race changed you in the last four years? Um, it's you know what it's made me it's made me a better planner. So a lot of you know a lot of the races that we do we do a lot of other races like we do about half marathons and five Ks and other mountain bike races, and I think they all they all build off of each other. So as we've we've kind of learned the business and we learned what you know how to deal with participants and the different type of events that we do and how to plan them. I think it's you know we we put processes in place, and uh, it's it becomes a little bit easier. And mm -hmm. so as it becomes easier, I think we add stuff um, to make it more challenging again. And I think that's how we kind of make our events a little bit better each each time we do them. Um, I know I know in a, it, it's made me want to stay at my home for at least one summer <laughs> because it's tough being away. For um, I mean, when I was away for you know three three weeks straight, and then I'd only been home maybe I think five days for my pre my pre trip out to Wyoming, which I was out there for for ten days. So it's it's almost like we spend the entire June and July on on the road, and that's a really great time. I mean, it's it's my kids are off school, and so I miss all that um, and those types of things. So think but as far as changing me i think it's it's probably left me a, makes me a little bit more calmer i've seen some stuff and i've seen some situations and i've seen some um things you know that can happen or um that that i know that either people can handle or we can handle and so uh, it, it's made me a little bit more calmer in those types of situations yeah well that's uh that's a plus yeah 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 do you uh, have a lot less nights when you wake up and think, why am I doing this for a living now? Uh, no, I don't think so. You know, I had, I've had, I had quite a few nights where I woke up and I had no idea where I was. Okay. Yeah, I've uh, – <laughs> Paulette does that when she comes back. I'm, I'm, she gets back from France sometime next week, and she's home for one night and then leaves again. And I know she's going to wake up in the middle of the night and be like, have no idea where she is. <laughs> yeah. And she's doing the she's doing the Trans Pyrenees, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so. That's that's a crazy crazy feat right there. Yeah, she. Uh, I talked to her. She she actually withdrew, but is finishing the trail. Just yeah. It almost. She said it's almost easier not to rely on the race. Yeah. Um, you said so, that the support's not so good, right? Yeah. 
But now she's like, she said, I don't know if this really makes me want to do it again or not do it again. <laughs> right. But then right. she also said, she mentioned to me, well, and it might be nice to do the world championships because they're only four hours away. So. I know. I saw you you were putting her out there to, to join a team. So. Yeah, I'm going to, I'll, uh, I'll uh, keep putting that out. Somebody wants, if she wants, you know, we'll, yeah, and she can so, do it. I mean, we have we have fifty spots, so I mean that's a lot. I mean it's double anything we've done before, so yeah. there should be some opportunity out there. Yeah. What? How does how does that feel? To you know, you're going to double the size of your race. I mean, obviously you're confident, but uh, what's what's yeah. something you got to think about in that? Um, so that's you know the logistics, and then. Um, I think, you know, once I said, we ex we always kind of expect about a 10%, you know, drop rate. So mm -hmm. that's that's one of our big concerns is now we end up with a lot more people. Um, you Basically, your chances of things going wrong increase. Yeah. <laughs> so yep. you, you've got a lot more people who could drop out, a lot more people who could injure themselves. Um, just a lot more things that could possibly go wrong. So that, you know, that has me... Um, a little concerned mm -hmm. um, you know we have logistics with things like maybe canoes that shoot um, because that's always been an issue in Wyoming getting yeah. enough of those resources to to cover all the teams um, you know and it was this, this year we really went to things like box trucks transporting tr uh, the trucks so we can move stuff at different speeds along the course rather than our mobile TA which we've done in previous years and that was all gearing up towards, you know, how do we move logistically 200 people um, safely around the course and, you know, get them where they need to be. So, and it's, you know, it's just weird logistics. So, you know, Ramcoder Hotel, we've had to go next year, we've got to go into a different room there and yeah. arrange for that because you can't fit 200 people in that room. And, you know, when we're, when we're doing packet pickup and all those types of things, how's that work? And, you know, just all weird like, kind of little logistics that you have to think about as you start to to double double the race. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I hope it I hope it doesn't take away. I mean, most you know I feel even this year. I mean, we went. I think first year we had seventy six, and then we went to like eighty something. Last year we did just over a hundred, and then this year we were at one hundred and fourteen. And so you kind of get. You I mean you get to know the teams. You. That's you, true. Yeah. yeah. We're we're dealing with them, you know in October, November, when they're signing up and they start asking questions and we, we kind of know who the teams are and the community and so we have kind of a connection um, with a lot of the people who come out and race. We know them you know, personally or you know, at least in, in passing and so that I think, I'm hoping that doesn't change if, when we double it. I hope it just doesn't become like one of our half marathons where we do where it's just like, you know, a thousand people that we have run by yeah. and we don't know any of them. Whereas when we do a trail run or a mountain bike race, it's kind of local. We know everyone, and it, it's it really does. It has a different vibe. It really does. Well, yeah, my the statistic that I that amazed me a little bit is the first ten teams that I interviewed pre-race interview. I knew everybody on all ten teams. <laughs> yeah, right. So it's, that's uh, pretty good. I, I thought that good. was pretty impressive, actually. So, yeah. Um, so, well, yeah. we'll still know half the teams. Yeah, that show up. So. I mean, maybe maybe we won't sell out. We'll see. I mean, hopefully we hopefully we do. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, we, we want to, because um, I think that also, like this year, once again, added to the competition. You just mm -hmm. have more of those top teams. It's, uh, I mean, that's what that's what those guys are looking for. They're looking for other people to really really push them and really have that competition and I think that's that's going to be really prevalent next year for sure yeah well and I've I've talked to people you know from other than U.S. people that are have been wanting to come to the United States to race so um, yeah I think it's yeah. going to be absolutely the perfect chance for them so yeah for um, sure. all right I'm gonna let you go so you can have some family time yeah, thank you. Thank so, you. I'm going to 
little my little 24/7 dog came in here she's looking for supper so I better go feed the chili dog too <laughs> all so. right hey well it was good chatting Randy okay uh, well if any luck we'll see you in Australia yeah that would be that would be great It'd be great yeah, to so. see as many familiar faces out there as possible would be really good it would be fun so yeah, all right everybody sure. go fast take chances keep an eye out for registration and and uh, thanks hey thanks a lot Randy all right, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Boom!